Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name's Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action Wisconsin, and welcome to 2024. You are listening to our show. We're back for another year, I believe. Geez, I believe we're in about year 13 of the show, and Robert Craig, our Executive Director, is with us. Robert, good to have you. Welcome to brand new year. Welcome back, Matt, though, for uh, everyone, Matt. Got co- got the COVID, so uh, not life threatening, but been under the weather. Um, yeah, well, as we speak, I don't know if I still have it. I tested positive still last night. I'm in like day six of my no, yet yeah, almost. I'm entering. I'm day five, day five of of COVID, but I'm feeling much better. And because we were off for the last couple of weeks, uh, couldn't wait to come back and talk politics with Robert and, uh, you know, get a show out for you listeners since it's 2024. And I am absolutely pumped because it's a huge election year. And we're going to start Robert in the show talking about that because we have to, uh, this is going to be a historically epic year. Uh, and (laughs) much to talk about. We won't be able to get to it all today, but we got a whole year to cover this topic before November, but Robert, there's, there was a bunch of news um, that is around essentially the elephant in the room here in Wisconsin. And that is redistricting and the state Supreme court decision last year that the maps were um, unconstitutional and um, definitely gerrymandered and uh, uh, made a deadline of uh, January 12th for uh, the legislature to come back with new maps. And Robert, um, interesting news this week. Um, the, the the legislature, Voss, Voss and Company, let's be clear, the leadership, uh, came back and said that they couldn't meet that deadline and are asking the Supreme Court to reconsider their redistricting decision. <laughs> um, Robert, your your take on all this uh my initial thought here is well first of all they could turn maps around in 24 hours <laughs> they've got so many of them uh, they just have to pick which is varying millions of dollars degree of gerrymander <laughs> they they've spent millions of dollars of our money they have 20 different maps they that they could give us in a day but they choose it's... not to I am laughing for the first time in about a week uh, with COVID, but uh, thank you, Robin Voss, for providing me that chuckle. Um, I'll assume the Supreme Court, Robert, is going to have a much similar response. But, Robert, let's dig into this. What's what's behind this? Um, why? And, of course, uh, the, I can't imagine the Supreme Court is going to reconsider their decision about the undemocratic lack of democracy that exists in the legislature <laughs> yes the, uh, the yes by what standard are they the rightful representatives of anyone because they're shameless they just think they have a i don't know god-given right to power quite literally given some of their the theologies i've heard coming out of their spouts um so i'm not sure what the motive is here it, it could just be they're getting another round of media coverage because it's news for the media or maybe they're creating some predicate they tried and to get the U.S. Supreme Court to intervene, but there has to be a federal constitutional issue or statutory issues for them to intervene. And 
this has been carefully avoided so far and needs to in any maps that are uh, submitted. So they don't like, they're all about power, period, regarding of how they got it. This is Foss and the Republicans, and they certainly hate losing power. And I believe they hate losing power even more distraught to four strong progressive women, the majority on the uh, state Supreme Court. And they are strong leaders, those four women, but they are also actual judges. And I think they will ignore all of the um, various smoke and uh, and uh, subterfuge being put out by Voss and the Republican noise machine and do what they're going to do. The question is how irrational or unconstitutional uh, will the U.S. Supreme Court be and uh, how good will the maps be uh, given the process? It's not uh, no one should expect gerrymandered progressive maps here. I think we can expect maps that might be favor Republicans more than Democrats, but they'll just be closer to fair maps um, the, and uh, will will avoid the outrageous abuses of the of the current maps. Folks, I, look, I when I first read this, I was like, well, that's odd. Of course, they know they're not going to reconsider redistricting decision after laughing about the inability to meet this deadline. Um, Robert, but the one thing that I started thinking about, and I just want to get your comment on before we go on to the next subject, is this made me think, because they're aggressive and they're arrogant, and they don't, and, and, and they will display that in their behavior if they feel like they hold those cards. Does this maybe mean that they don't quite really have the goods on how to get this case to the federal Supreme Court, that they don't really have some type of serious issue that they found federally that would allow the court to take it up and they're looking for it's like a fishing expedition and if you can delay and create more activity in the next month or so that could create potential federal issues i don't know just your thoughts on this because this it seems odd to me you know that they're doing this any any thoughts on that yeah, I I mean, they're, they might be trying to create the issue that they weren't given, you know, enough time, but I don't see how that's a federal constitutional uh, issue or federal statutory issue. Um, but they're certainly hoping they can find some way to get some fig leaf for the U.S. Supreme Court to take it. Uh, and we did. And Amy Comey Barrett, Justice Comey Barrett, did it in the shadow docket last time on a trumped up voting rights claim. I do. Look, rumors. I, the reason I really don't like social media is because rumors are treated as fact. So I'm going to mark this as a rumor. There is a rumor at the Capitol that Voss is working hard to detach some Democrats on some things they might want that might not be in the proposed Democratic maps. I just want to say, I, I'm not going to get into it further than that, and hopefully it's not true. But if it is, if if these Democrats, if this is true, do not understand who they're negotiating with uh, and what his motives are, then they, they're actually not fit to lead or represent their own people because they will be selling out their own constituents if they if they do anything to benefit Voss's strategy to keep authoritarian maps that guarantee one-party control. With that, folks, I want to move on to a number of other issues that are absolutely at play here in the uh, 2024 election season. Robert, I have to um, talk about this because when I was in my COVID stupor and I 
and I read about this, I got super, it just, it, it's so like Voss and the Republicans in power. And it has to do with the GOP in this state and listeners, if you're not aware of this, you need to hear about this. They, they want to, they're working on a legislation that would force the UW to inform all the UW students that they should be voting from home absentee and providing information about how they could do that for everyone, <laughs> possibly for all, all of the states. And as we know, municipalities, I can only think of the myriad. Um, but Robert, I'm really hacked off about this because it's so transparent that this is all just about power and them not wanting them to vote. But to me, this is, this is like treasonous economic treason to the state. Awful that we have some of the brightest folks in our universities. It's one of the gems, right? That people come from around the country, around the world, right? To Wisconsin. And many of them stay and voting, right? Is one of the first ways you can start to make a connection to your community and that we would try to push them out make them feel unwelcome like hey we know you're here great but like we really want you to go back home is awful especially given the brain drain this state experiences most states experience and, and certainly if you're in northern climb right cold weather this is awful absolutely awful these guys should be blasted i'm surprised there hasn't been more outrage around this as opposed to like technically like getting into the details of the, the actual bill, just the notion that you would try and push people away from welcoming them and wanting them to participate in the state. I think it's disgusting, Robert. Well, it shows they have no fixed principles other than power because you, I'll bet bottom dollar that if seniors were voting heavily democratic and it was students that were more conservative, they'd be trying to have dementia tests for seniors to get them off the voting rolls. Right. And remember uh, Scott Walker, who was paid a handsome salary, $800,000 reportedly to run the young conservatives, some Koch brother funded group came out for raising the voting age to 25. That's a way to represent young people. So they don't want them voting. And they don't care about the brain drain. I mean, this wouldn't be very persuasive to Robin Voss, but Matt, I live in the state because of UW-Madison. And there is kind of this attitude in college towns where some locals don't think students are real residents. That needs to freaking stop. In fact, you know, we need to be a caring community, but we want talented young people who move here for our excellent university system, excellent despite all the defunding of it by Republicans. To stay here and you have the, the business leaders that uh, pay, you know, they elect these folks whining about the lack of skilled workers all the time. Well, apparently it, this is OK as long as it helps them get power, period. So it just it just it reveals their 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 lack of any ethical core whatsoever. They're supposed to be a pro family party. Yeah. It's dumb. It's costly. It's expensive. It it's just a terrible idea. Bad, bad, bad. Folks, we got to take our first break of the new year. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. Robert, 
Another uh, issue that came up this week with voting and elections, and I wanted to get your comment on because I wasn't able to track the details, um, but it looks like we had a judge uh, change uh, the uh, around absentee ballots that we're now able to um, make minor corrections of an absentee ballot around addresses. Do I have that right, Robert? You have that right. The Republican position and the allegedly constitutional former state Supreme Court majority, as we know, partisan hacks and robes, decided that no correction could be made whatsoever if a witness to an absentee ballot for an, a, for, for a disabled person, and by the way, we have these witnessing requirements, what if there's someone who lives alone and doesn't have anyone to witness, they leave off the zip code when they give the full address, the ballot is thrown out. I mean, what kind of view, this is just looking for excuses to throw ballots out. There is no fraud consideration. Uh, it is, one can go on a website and immediately find out the zip code of any address. We know where they are. And if there's any concern, it's fraudulent. You could put it on that list and follow up, right? It doesn't create any additional security that someone put the zip code on versus someone didn't. There's no little dodge there to get the eligible voter to get to vote. And let me just point out that disabled voters, they vote more democratic. So here we go again, right? As far as we'll do anything for power, including um, including disenfranchising people who are trying very hard despite a disability uh, to live full lives and be full participants in our society and in our, in, in, in our democracy. And again, another reason our state Supreme Court in that election, super important to have have a different court, but Robert, thanks for uh, some clarification around that uh, article I had read. One other thing, um, Robert, that I need your help on, since I did not track the details, I just saw this in my COVID stupor, but did I see our uh, our friend Kirk Bankstad uh, is suing to get Trump off the ballot in Wisconsin? That strikes me as something... I would absolutely expect Kirk to do. In fact, I saw a week ago he was soliciting Republicans um, who felt it was wrong. So uh, did is that correct, Robert? I assume. And, and is, has there been any word? <laughs> what, what's yeah. the word? I believe Kirk has announced his suit. Um, he you had to have it. The, the Wisconsin Election Commission, which is an equal three, three split. Um, put him on the ballot in order to sue to try to change it over the 14th Amendment, the same thing that Maine and Colorado have excluded him for the ballot on and pending whatever the U.S. Supreme Court, whatever out they find, not to notice what the plain intent and written meaning of the 14th Amendment is. And so Kirk Banstad is going to sue and try to make that happen in Wisconsin. It'd be the first real battleground state where it happened. I have no idea what his legal chances are here. There are plenty of courts, including Mich in Michigan, that are ducking. It's not only uh, the U.S. Supreme Court. And independent of whether this is good, smart politics or not, if you, if you believe we should enforce laws on the book, especially the Constitution, 
um, then this is a very legitimate question about whether this man is even qualified to run. We, we, we enforce all other qualifications like age requirements. You have to be born in this country. We're just going to ignore this one because, uh, because the, the favorite, you know, charismatic leader of the far right would be excluded. Thank you, Robert. And if folks want to hear a little more about Robert's and I mild disagreement over this, you can listen to our show two weeks ago, but thank you, Robert, for, for, for that update. Uh, and we look, we may not always agree with Kirk on a, all of his tactics, but you got to appreciate Kirk is a man of principle and, and, and fight, and he's a fighter. We really like that. Obviously <laughs> citizen action. And a lot of times we feel like there's a lack of fight out there uh, behind some of the core principles uh, and, and like I said, this is one I'm not sure I even agree with, but I, I really, really like Kirk. I love that he sued over the vouchers, right? Uh, and that's one where, he, like, quite frankly, I think he was a lot more spot on just between you and. But we really appreciate the fight and because we know and it's something we've talked about. We think is really important here in Wisconsin. We need a lot, a lot more of it uh, and looking forward to it. So. Robert, I I do want to before we go too much forward on to non uh, specifically election things. Um, you wanted to talk a bit about Eric Hovde. I see here um, a little bit more about him. I I the less we talk about him from my book, that's fine. I just like to call him the California billionaire. Um, I I do not see this guy as a serious candidate. Um, but uh, anyways, Robert, tell us more about the billionaire from California. He does have nice hair, if I recall, something I certainly don't have. Robert? Oh, come on, Matt. I don't sell yourself short. <laughs> oh, uh, please. I barely have any hair. But Robert, about Eric Hovde. I hope oh, I'm pronouncing no, that right. No, he's a billionaire. He's a 59-year-old multimillionaire, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Many different business enterprises uh, and a charity. Um as far as what we know about his political views, he um, did attack Evers for the COVID shutdown. He's vehemently pro-life and for overturning Roe v. Wade. And he has campaigned in the past on repealing the Affordable Care Act so he can join Donald Trump on uh, that wild goose chase. Sounds unelectable to me, but all right. Uh, but, Next. you know, he can self-fund his campaign. And who knows? Who knows what's going to happen this election? How bad? I tend to agree that it would be a bad election year. And Trump's probably winning Wisconsin if Tammy Sandra Baldwin is in any trouble. But nonetheless, you could have a well-funded candidate that could take advantage. So I wouldn't entirely sleep on him. I don't. He doesn't seem to be one of those rich guys who's especially appealing to voters. There are some that are. There are a lot that egos tell them they will be think Tim Michaels, uh, that aren't, I mean, there are a few every once in a while, like Herb Cole, that actually are appealing to people. All right. Well, thank you for that update. Uh, maybe he's not a billionaire. Look, I, I just assume all their millionaires are billionaires and their billionaires are trillionaires. Anyways, Robert, I want to uh, switch topics. I, I, I want to talk about climate broadly. And then we'll get in, dive in a little bit more narrowly. Folks, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but can we talk about 2023's temperature in Wisconsin? 
I don't know if you heard, it's up three degrees over the, and December, December in Milwaukee was 10 degrees warmer than normal. Um, I'm looking outside right now and I'm wondering where the hell winter is. It's like very little, very little. The lake, the numbers came out yesterday, like virtually no ice on Lake Michigan, which is unusual. We're usually at least around 9% by now. Um, Robert, so just obviously that is something that we're all just experiencing, but there was some information. I just first want to get your comments on that, but then I know you wanted to talk and we have been talking a lot about like the critical role of making energy transition, investing in not only making the climate change transition, but the how it impacts the economy and the jobs. So I do want to get back, first get your thoughts on those, but then I do want to get your comments on Wisconsin in this article and this topic around how we're really badly trailing in like solar adoption and a number of other things. So initially just your response to some of the data, then we'll go to break. And I want to come back and talk more about like what we need to start to be doing to make real progress this year. So you're right. This is not normal. Duluth shipping, Duluth Superior is a huge port, usually slows down dramatically. Now they're just sailing along because there's not a little ice to deal with. Um, by the way, folks, though I, we cannot promise you a warm winter. You will hear the right-wing talk shows jump when it gets very cold. Warming leads to more volatility. There are some predictions, you cannot predict this far in advance, that in, middle late, in late January, we're going to be getting a polar vortex. That would not mean there's not global warming. It means that there's more volatility. So we'll see. This may be really warm in December and then polar cold in January, February, late January, early February. We'll see. Um, but obviously, the, the ongoing denial is becoming more and more absurd if one can trust their own perceptions and their own senses. Well, Robert, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to, again, get your thoughts on Wisconsin and where we're at, this data on solar, and more broadly, right, what, what we've been talking about and how we need to really get serious about what we're doing here in the state, especially as we head into an election year. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Robert, what's up with this data on solar? And, you know, there's nothing shocking, I believe, in this, but um, what's this? Uh, what's the latest news? Well, we've known that Wisconsin fell behind other states, particularly surrounding states during the Walker years because, well, we had a party in full control with the gerrymandered legislature that didn't believe global warming was happening and uh, just thought we could just drill baby drill. And so they actually made it harder to do renewable energy. So there are new numbers out showing Wisconsin in terms of solar facilities dramatically behind Minnesota and Illinois by large margin. And that's really problematic. Um, so we know Republicans have been the barrier, and the, these numbers are primarily their fault. My concern is, 
It is not yet clear with all this tremendous amount of Inflation Reduction Act money that President Biden managed to get through, right? And there's a lot of discretion that Governor Evers is doing everything he can to catch up. There's a lot of indications that uh, they're staying within a much more traditional view of transportation and the and, and the economy. So there's still time and we are working on this. But really, when we have a Democrat governor and we have a president that gave the governor massive amount of resources at his disposal to get around the legislature, we need to do more. I would say that one of the main barriers in Wisconsin, the fossil fuel industry in Wisconsin, is the utilities. Okay, uh, we don't produce fossil fuel in Wisconsin, and the utilities profit by keeping coal plants going and getting and getting these long-term finance deals where they make a guaranteed return, and so they have stood in the way of a lot of solar. They have they have interpreted statutes, not even clear they mean this in ways that allow them to maintain a monopoly and prevent things like community solar, for example, or various mechanisms by which cities and, and uh, for example, can build their own solar. They block Milwaukee in doing that. And uh, but the governor has pointed all three public service commission commissioners. They're the three. They're the governing body for the utilities. And he put in there. Mostly industry-related moderates were better than the Republicans, but are not exactly moving quickly on all these barriers. And that's a, that's a that's a missed opportunity. And he needs to do, the governor and his administration need to do some catch-up. Folks, we're going to continue to pay attention and talk about what we expect will this issue's gotta be a central issue in these 2024 elections, right? It's super important. And you know, it's it's not only important in whether it be Robert, you talked about Evers' role, but the legislature and Congress, right, and the presidential race. These things go hand in hand. All those resources that have been flowing are coming from money that was passed a couple of years ago, right? And it's critical to understand there's a lot of complexity sometimes, it seems, in all of this stuff, but... For us, politically, the Republicans voted. Every member of Congress here in Wisconsin voted against all of these, all of these resources, all of the beginning investments in fighting climate change and the Inflation Reduction Act. None of them voted for it. None of them here even voted for the bipartisan infrastructure money, significant money that's rebuilding bridges just down from where I live, the Holton Street Bridge. That's all money. No, no support from the Republicans on that, right? That's just in a nutshell. That is what's at stake as we head into 2024. Do we want to, the federal level, make significantly more investments than we were able to last time? And then at the state level, are we going to take, as Robert said, continue to take better advantage of hopefully more resources from the federal level and start getting the state in the game of finding resources, committing resources. And by the way, that includes Robert. I want to get your thoughts on this. We got to start the year out. It's not on our list, but revenue billionaires tax, some type of revenue source too to help address 
and have the resources for the needs that we need, not only for climate change. We haven't even talked about some of our other core issues like education and healthcare and things that we know are, are vital. Robert? Well, on revenue, uh, there's a new uh, Wisconsin Policy Forum report that uh, tax level for for both uh, sales taxes and property taxes and income taxes is at an historic low in Wisconsin. Yet what is the Republican agenda? We need to give more and we need to rig it to the top of the economic spectrum. So as we have school teacher layoffs across the state and closed schools because we passed an inadequate education funding package when we had a $7 surplus, which they want to give away, they're going to propose new tax cuts in the next it, it, it early early this year. Um, we need Governor Evers to be a goalie, and then we need to get a majority that will actually fully fund public education, our state university system, et cetera. And this is wildly popular. Any notion that the public is demanding we defund education and defund health care so we can give further tax cuts, let alone rigged one, is just not the case. This is a matter of undemocratic government where a gerrymandered legislation can do what the heck it wants to destroy the public sphere and give everything away to those who don't need it. Folks, the billionaire tax, too, is incredibly popular. It is <laughs> super popular and across like across uh, partisan. And so it would behoove I, this is if I had one wish for the governor to really sort of change and bring into the game this year, uh, especially setting up the elections and the Democrats thinking about this, it would be a billionaire's tax or some type of wealth tax that they talk about. Cause look, the surpluses, right? I get there's a surplus that stuff comes and goes, right? We need permanent funding from a billionaire's tax to help pay for the priorities. We need these very popular priorities. Look, Milwaukee public schools are talking about going to a referendum. All kinds of districts are talking about which schools are they closing down absurd right it's just nuts Childcare, we still have not fixed that situation right we know we have strides to make on health care right these are all priorities a number of other priorities they require resources so that would be my hope um that we could add that because it's 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 popular and it's the right thing to do to to help start to be able to pay for things that could then be a part of the agenda uh, after a successful election. Robert, I want to get your comments on these. Uh, it's an article that uh, appeared in the um, Up North News. Uh, just to shout out one of the many in-state media sources we, we follow here around insulin prices uh, plunging. And uh, as of January 1st, Eli Lilly and a number of others uh uh, in the these large pharmaceutical producers, um, making up roughly 90% of the market. They are now officially offering price caps and savings programs to lower the cost of some of their most widely used insulin products to only $35 per month. Oh, that sounds very familiar, that uh, price point. Robert, what's behind all this? Why why would they do this? What's what's going on here? It sounds like uh sounds like that uh, American rescue plan uh and its effort around going after insulin prices is is uh starting to make a difference. 
So just to rewind slightly, people are aware the Inflation Reduction Act included caps, but only for seniors on Medicare. The original draft had it for everyone, like hard physical caps, and the Republicans wouldn't go along and use a filibuster to kill it, of course, because they believe in pharma power over the power of patients. And, and, and Robert, this was one of the big fights. This was one of the big fights, along with the child care funding, all that funding and in, 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 not just child care, care in general. Right. Which is why we're talking about this. This is the 2024 election issue. But little did little. It was less discussed that in the many things in the American, in the American Rescue Plan was a provision that gave the Biden administration the ability to penalize pharmaceutical companies for outrageous price gouging. And one of the most outrageous is insulin. No breakthroughs in insulin, same drug that's being uh, generated for decades and decades. Some big guys have monopolized the market by the various shady tactics they use to maintain monopolies, even for drugs that are not new. And uh, they knew they were vulnerable on this, and they knew that there has been a lot of uh, that the public is up in arms because, but, I mean, this is true of a lot of things, but think about it with insulin. If you, for a very inexpensive to produce drug, overcharge and price gouge on this, you cause people who are diabetic and live who can live stable lives to first choose between basics and taking the insulin. Uh, but then if they do not, if they skip insulin or don't do enough of it, then they have a health shock. And if they have a health shock, it's massively expensive, and and their health is permanently damaged because the repercussions of not seeing urethylin are dramatic. So it makes us unhealthy. It destroys lives. It costs tremendous amount of money, all for the profit of some Fortune 500 companies being pushed by Wall Street to produce more and more profit no matter what. And so this is, again, this is what got to get through in 2024, Matt. We only have one party that's interested in holding the big guys accountable. The other one is a fake populist party, Donald Trump, who actually stands with big pharma, stands with all the people who are simply exploiting and ripping off people and rigging the system so they can get away with it. Yeah, and this is this is what's at stake here in 2024. This whole election is going to be about going back and 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 getting a lot of the things that we were unable to get and moving towards that future. So folks, we got to take a break. You're listening to the battleground Wisconsin with citizen action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're citizen action, Robert. One of the things that, is like a bedrock around here at citizen action. And certainly for you and I personally is, is, is the right to a union and the critical and fundamental role that the labor movement plays in democracy very broadly. Um, We don't believe there's a progressive movement without an, a growing robust multiracial labor movement that is on the march um but also just the fundamental importance of it in terms of just basic rights that workers should have within a workplace right which is absolutely critical um 
and so Citizen Action is ourselves a, a union organization, but we spend a lot of time talking about union organizing, union rights, contract campaigns, strikes on the show, because uh, we think they're they're fundamental. Um, and we also realize that the labor movement it's been it's been a struggle for a number of generations um and last year was just noticeable in a change right a real change in 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 sort of both actual real movement of unions both on strikes work actions organizing but also broader public sentiment opinion understanding starting to see a role um young people uh organizing starting to like reconnect with the labor movement in a way that is been really different um for for our lifetimes and so we on the show talked about true stage which settled their contract last year talked a lot about the UAW super important and so i say all that just to say um we think 2024 could be a really big year for for organized labor, both in terms of its continued fights that it's demonstrating um, in the broader economy and workplace, but also just the increased role and importance of workers in, in, in an election. But uh, some new news that broke while we were gone, Robert. <laughs> and so I wanted to get your thoughts on it. And that is, it looks like we have another organizing drive, which is very exciting uh, going on. And that is Planned Parenthood. The workers at Planned Parenthood here in Wisconsin are organizing with the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals, good close allies. In fact, big supporters of our Healthcare for All co-op uh, are organizing with WFNHP. Robert, this is exciting, big news. Um, I know I, I'll just start saying for myself, I really hope they just recognize these workers. I'm excited they're standing up and uh, helping make Planned Parenthood a better, stronger organization. Your thoughts, Robert? Yeah. Um, people are, don't always aware. They think of Planned Parenthood as advocates for constitutional rights, which they are, but they are also a health provider. And going back in history, I'm not talking about the current leadership. I'm certainly not talking about their executive director and president, Tanya Atkinson, who's a former a uh, panel member of Battleground Wisconsin and former Citizen Action Vice President. How about that? How about uh, that? I'm not talking about Tanya, but I'm saying that they have been anti-union in the past. I'm talking 22 decades ago. So no one currently around um, who was involved. And there's a cross pressure if you're an employer, right? We've been, we're, we're celebrating our 40th anniversary, Matt. So I've been doing a lot of research. We've been... This organization has been union the whole 40 years. It goes back to the very beginning, voluntary recognition. And really, you should have voluntary recognition uh, because elections have been rigged by uh, over the years. What started out is a system that was supposed to make it easy in the 1930s and the New Deal for workers to organize has made it like a gauntlet. And so it may sound fair to people. Oh, it's an election. That's fair. They're actually not. And I've longtime member of both boards at People's Action, our national federation, and uh, a year and a half, two years ago, uh, our staff unionized at People's Action, our national affiliate, and um, 
and we voluntarily recognize within the day. So I would encourage that, but I also say, don't just don't just assume Tanya's not doing that. She has a board, uh, executive directors, I can tell you do not hold all the power. They work for a board, but I just want to encourage them. It's great they're not going to do the worst union busting. It's great that Jamie Lucas from the Wisconsin Fisheries Health Professionals say it has not been caustic. It's been fairly collaborative. The gold standard would be uh, recognition. And I can tell you this as someone who has worked in a union environment as an employer, uh, since 2009, when I was uh, given uh, uh, elevated this position by both our boards of directors, it, you have to change how you work. You just can't do anything you want the way at-will employers can, but it actually puts you in a position to know much better what the consensus of all the workers are and not just be responding to squeaky wheels and actually create a better workplace culture. So it's it's a change in paradigm. You, your managers all have to new learn, new, learn new things, but it's actually a better system once you once you make the transition. So that's my prod. Um, now, I know Tanya knows that, but just to other folks in Planned Parenthood who are probably unfamiliar with unions and just know that it's hard to run a health system and are concerned that it's going to make it harder when it's already hard. It doesn't need to do that, though. There's certainly a transition and a paradigm shift all your managers will have to engage in. Yeah, I appreciate those comments, Robert. I concur as someone, you know, obviously I'm a manager in this organization and, uh, you know, I I find working in a union environment helpful. Um, so, look, uh, just want to, uh, again, encourage, I, I would hope that, they reconsider and just recognize this union, especially when they, you know, get a good, have, they have a good sense that there's a majority and I have, it's good understanding. There is a over majority uh, that have uh, asked for representation. It's the way, way, way you should go. And I just want to add, I actually think this is an exciting opportunity for Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin. I think it's going to make them a stronger organization, which is going to be which they need. Everybody understands they are one of the most critically important healthcare providers, political forces fighting for what's just right now on this issue and desperately needed. And I believe to bring their workers into partnership and the broader labor movement, hopefully into that into that partnership, is exactly what Planned Parenthood needs to deepen its 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 relationships, its networks, people's understanding of it, uh, especially in the broader progressive movement. Um, so I hope they recognize, and I hope this is the beginning of a rebuilding of a extraordinarily powerful Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin, uh, where their workers are represented. I think that's actually it's a wonderful thing. It puts a smile on my face to even just say that and think of that. Um, and it makes me very excited for 2024. I am pumped up. I'm sick and I am pumped up for this year, Robert, as we bring this show to a close, we are going to talk a lot about elections this year because it's central folks. Don't don't. There's no way we can avoid it. We are going to be a battleground state for the president. And this is going to be a crazy year. We've got the convention in Milwaukee. Gear up. Lean in. This is a huge opportunity for democracy to assert itself and progressives to stand up and organize. 
going to close with this. We're going to win this election, not because we spend millions of dollars on TV ads and digital ads. We're going to win this because there's going to be an, a revival of organizing in this country and in the state. We're committed to it and talking to people, talking to our neighbors on the phones, on the doors, in coffee houses, in our workplaces. It is that is what's going to win this election, is going to change the country. It will not be ads and all the money raised. And so I challenge you to find yourself in your role within that, whether that is helping fund and support and donate. I'll put a link in to, to support our efforts or to volunteer. And that's what I want you to really consider to volunteer, get involved in our campaigns, commit to talking to your neighbors, getting out on doors, getting into cafes, talking to people in your workplace about this election. Robert, final thoughts before we go. I would just say folks, uh, a lot of people enjoy that Wisconsin's a battleground state and the national folks are talking about all the time. It's a ridiculous system, of course, that seven states currently decide who's president and huge states like California and New York have no role whatsoever. It's absurd. Um, but with great power comes great responsibility. And we really need to make everyone stand up and do the responsible thing. So not voting, not taking your vote seriously. Uh, that is that that is socially responsible at the highest level. And Wisconsin can play a huge role also in what the national agenda is and what we actually get done, which is, of course, the other threat to democracy is the inability of democracy to address our major crises and challenges or uh, improve lives for most people. In the 1930s, that's what the New Deal did, is people were really becoming coming to the point in the Great Depression where they didn't think democracy could work. We have the same kind of existential crisis now, and Donald Trump is a symptom as much as a cause. He's a cause and a symptom. And folks, with that, we want to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin. I want to thank our producer, Brian Woodridge. He's back with us here in 2024. show doesn't happen without him. We will see you all next week at the Battleground Wisconsin.